Amen. Amen. Thank you all. It was nice to have all the strings. It's good to have Phil and his bass up here. Very nice. We, we, we're looking. We have a few guests today. We kind of look a little cultured and classy. It's, it's a lie. We're not. We're, we're not. Hey, it was nice, though, to have enough voices in the place to say, let's just do voices, right? That, would, that wouldn't have worked about a month ago. So, as we go forward, I just, I want to kind of circle back to a um, announcement as far as when the board decides what our process and how we're going to go through. Uh, just so general knowledge, how we do things right now with streaming and Facebook and all that stuff, that's how we're going to do things from this point on. So, no one's going to be asked to do something they're not comfortable with, and, and we're going to provide that. That's how we're going to do service from this point on. So, all right, we are continuing in our um, series about the characteristics of what it is to be a disciple. We talked about, for seven weeks, we talked about what disciples look like. What do they do? Service and prayer and scripture and uh, worship. Um, but now we're saying, okay, if we do these things, if we're growing a, as disciples, what characteristics can we see in our own lives and in the lives of others in the body of Christ that mark that there's growth, that we're growing in the very image of Christ? So that's where we are. Today we are talking about obedience. And that one can make people shrink back a little bit, right? Obedience. This is where we step on toes just a hair, but hopefully I want to kind of enlighten us about what obedience truly is, especially in the way of Scripture and, in, and when, we, when we talk about our relationship with God. Just to add to the discomfort, we're going to talk about obedience, and I'm going to read from the Old Testament Deuteronomy, right? So I'm going to just dive right in. It is out of chapter 30. Uh, beginning in verse 15, Deuteronomy, listen for the word of the Lord. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away and bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live in the long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth to wit as witnesses against you, and I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of God for the people of God. So Deuteronomy, you'll find out as we go on and um, throughout the year and throughout our relationship together, is one of my favorite Old Testament books. It is a reminder, the entire book is, is about a, a great big don't forget, 
Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. As you're getting ready to be blessed and enter into the promised land, do not forget me. And he tells them how not to forget him, how to stay in the right relationship with him, and that is to obey his commands, follow his laws and his statutes. That will put you where you need to be. So Deuteronomy's one great big, don't forget me. But it's also, as Debbie read, it is the heart and soul book. It is where we get the wording for the first and greatest commandment Jesus talks about in the, the Gospels. All right? It comes out of Deuteronomy, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Throughout the, I have a series that I do in Deuteronomy that's called that. Because he says it in many different ways. Trust the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Trust, love the Lord, obey the God, Lord. All of it has to do with all of our heart, all of who we are. So it's also the heart and soul book. But it is also the book that we remember that we are called to obey the Lord. Now, we, especially in our culture, obedience, sometimes, sometimes we can attribute to that negative, right? Or less than um, when we talk about obedience, like, or we feel less than. That we are supposed to obey because it's a, some type of authoritarian thing that the Lord wants to lord over us because he is God, and we must obey. There's a certain truth to that. But when we look closer at the book, look closer at our text, it, this is also the book of choice. God, in 28, and at the beginning of Deuteronomy, and definitely at the close, he says, I am giving you a choice to obey me. And it's always been about choice. Josh and I got in a long conversation about choice, about free will. Because going back even to the beginning, go back to the story, the narrative of Genesis 3 that foreshadows everything that's going to happen. That's about a choice. God gives them the choice. He creates the perfect garden. He creates, they have a relationship in perfect unity. In harmony, the world is perfect because God created it, and it is good. And he, said, and he gives, presents them a choice. You can eat from any tree, but not this one, because you can't handle this one. So don't, chew, don't eat that. And then the tempter, it really wasn't about good and evil, even though that's far above our pay grade and our ability to handle but it was really the tempter's job. He didn't really care about that. He knew that would bring havoc and destruction, as we see when God says, who told you you were naked? All of a sudden, they have shame and guilt that wasn't there before. But the tempter's job was to get them to choose not to obey God. Right? Not to obey God's command. In the garden, we hear God's will expressed. We, see God, we hear God's command, law. Listen to those words. We're going to hear those throughout Scripture. Right? So it's a, it's a big deal. Genesis 3 is a big foreshadowing of all of Scripture. That's why it talks about the original sin, the essence of sin. So, so it's always been about choice. To obey God, to be in God's will, or not to. 
And that's what God has given him in our text at the end of Deuteronomy. Here is your choice. We finally come after a long journey. We have finally come to a point where you are going to enter into the promised land. And you are going to be blessed by being there. And you have a choice. You can stay in relationship with me, stay close to me, stay where you need to be with me, and you will be blessed. And if you don't, you're going to start to worship, worship other gods. You're going to begin to drift away. And you're going to find yourself in a place you never intended to be. He says, I'm putting today before you a choice of blessing and life or destruction and curse and death. It's your choice. He's saying, he's, so he's ble- uh, pleading with them. To obey him. So, well, let's look at obeying. If we're going to follow someone, if we're going to learn from someone, we're talking about being disciples, Christ followers, then we have to obey their instructions, right? We don't do it as much, but the big joke for many years is men always get lost, right? Because they won't ask for, well, apparently it's still going on (laughs) in this group over here. But we won't ask for instructions. Or someone will tell us and we say, now I know where I'm going, right? So we we, we don't obey instructions, but we have to obey and follow if we're going to learn anything. We have to, my wife's a math teacher. We have to obey our math teacher. We have to listen to what she's telling us. It's, It's throughout life that we need to obey. Obedience is a key to life, but it's also especially a key to following God. Because in Joshua's and I conversation about choice, we also, we got to the subject of God's sovereignty. We don't know the future. We don't always know what's best for us. So we need to listen to God, follow God. God gives us instructions for life and how to deal with people. And we need to learn to obey because that keeps us where we need to be. And God gives us a roadmap. And he says, okay, I want you to follow this, this, and this. But all of us, it goes for all of us, we sometimes like to follow our own route, don't we? And we go, God, I think God's telling me to go this way, but this way looks awful fun. Right? This looks like a little adventure. And so we go off-road and we realize this way is not very good. And I've had this conversation with several people, uh, but God has a way, just like our GPS and our phone, when I go off base on my phone, I get a rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Right? That's what God does to us. He's still going to get us to where we need to be, but sometimes he has to reroute us because we took the wrong turn. We didn't listen. We didn't obey. So obedience is critical to who we are as followers of Christ for us to be where we need to be. If we follow Christ, we'll be blessed. I mean, this is true in my life. When I'm listening to God and, be, and where I need to be in my relationship with God, things go pretty good and I feel pretty blessed. When I begin to follow my own will, my own instinct, my own desires, not so much. 
But God has a way of rerouting me. And, but if we're going to understand obedience, we have to understand that it is intertwined with other characteristics of being a disciple. It does, it's not, these aren't like standalone. Some intertwine more than others. So I want to look at obedience through three other characteristics. One, we have already talked about, humility. Two, we're going to talk about faith and love. But these are integral to being obedient, to obeying God. So the first one is humility. We talked about humility last week, and one way we looked at that is looking at pride and how our pride often gets in the way. Because our pride tells us, I know everything. Our pride tells us, I can't ask for help. And so we just keep on that same wrong path that we're on because we're too prideful to admit it. We're too prideful to admit, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I can't do this by myself. When we were skiing at the end of January in New Mexico, we got snowed in. It snowed like six inches. And we were back in the woods and not one of our cars except for my daughters could get out. So I hiked into town and I was looking for some solution, but I found some cables, but they're like chains. And, um, but they're lighter. They were a lot less inexpensive. Or, and so I said, I'm going with the cables. They said, well, here, do you want us to show you how to go? I got it. I don't need help. I'm going to hike back, put on my cables, and I'm going to save the day. So we get back there, and I just assumed... I, one thing I don't know about is cables and chains. The other thing I don't know about is cars. And so I think everything has front-wheel drive now. And so I had a, my son was driving my truck out there, and so, man, it was hard. It, we kind of figured out the cables after a, a little while. And we got them on. We said, all right, let's go. Jack, see if you can get up that hill. So he gets up there, and those cables are on those front tires, and he hits that gas, and those back tires just start spinning. <laughs> Got them on the wrong tires. Because I didn't need help, although I'm not through, through from New Mexico. I don't know a lot about cars, and I know nothing about chains. I could do it, all right? That's what our pride does. I think I know it all. And I don't need help. And it could be as little as directions or it could be more serious in our lives. It could be depression. Uh, Josh shares his testimony. We know people and I have friends. Uh, I have a friend in, um, uh, from up around there who's in AA and he's, he's a staunch AA supporter. And that's what he says. So many people don't get help because they won't. They don't want to ask for it. Depression. All kinds of things, uh, you know, marriage issues. They go on a lot longer than they need to because of our pride. So we have to be humble if we're going to be obedient. To admit, I don't know everything. And sometimes I need help. I need to be the one getting my feet washed. The other is faith. Faith. 
We're going to talk about faith as we get close to Easter, and it's faith and trust. You go back to the garden. What was the tempter's main objective? To get him? Because God, all he said was, do this, don't do, or don't do this, because it's best for you. To break trust was the tempter's goal. To break faith was the tempter's goal. We're not going to trust somebody. Something's going to tempt us to want us to trust something else other than God. Or it's going to make us question God. Whatever the, the tempter can do to make us break faith and trust with God. That's the the essence of original sin. And I won't get into this, but that's the essence of the gospel, that in Jesus Christ, we choose to put our faith back in God by choosing Christ and what he has done for us. So it's all about faith. That's another sermon. We'll get to that one. And then finally, with obedience, and this is the important one that we often don't put because of our definition, you know, what we understand obedience. The most important thing about obedience when talking about God and following Christ is love. You see, God wants us to obey him, not because we're afraid, although he'll take that. That's better than nothing. I always used to tell my kids, especially my boys, when they were in high school, I said, you either live by the sword or you live by grace. But one way or another, you're going to be obedient, right? Because it still keeps them out of trouble. But that's not what God wants. That's not what parents want. They want to be obeyed because they love us. God loves us and, and, we, and wants the best for us. He knows that it's not about being authoritarian and lording it over us. God loves us. And that's why he wants us to, he wants the best, he wants us to be safe. I was home up, or my other home up in Fort Worth, and I was running, and I have a dog, Jackson. I think we have a picture. And um, he always looks sad. He's not sad. Well, he doesn't always look sad, but when I, I was trying to take a picture, I said, sit. Every time I say sit, he's like, what's going on? Right? So he's not a sad dog. I told my wife, I said, take another picture. Ashley said he looks sad. So she took three pictures. He looks the same way. Every, that's, his, that's his face. But he loves when I come home on the weekends because I, I take him running with me. All right? And he's a great dog. Smartest dog I've ever had. Um, and he, he's my dog. And I don't need to walk him with a leash. But so we start off and I'm running with him. But then when he gets tired enough, he won't run around. He listens to me. And so I can walk along the busy street, and he'll stay right here. And if he starts to go out, I say, Jackson, over here. And he just pops back. Or if, he starts, if we start approaching somebody and I don't have his leash on, I try to keep it on so he, people aren't scared, even though he wouldn't do anything. If he starts getting out in front to go see him, I say, Jackson, stay here. All right? And he stays right by me. He's very obedient. But I do that not because I want to have authority over my dog. I don't want him to get hit by a car. I don't want him to scare somebody and they overreact. I do it. I want him to obey me because I love him. And that's the same way with God. 
He wants us to be saved. He doesn't want us going down wrong paths and getting in stuff that's going to uh, ruin our spirit, our souls, our relationships. He wants us to be saved. And he wants the best for us. All right? I want my kids, I've always wanted my kids to obey me. Not because I want to lord it over them or be authoritarian. Because I want the best for them. Now, my kids are older, so it, it's easier when they're little. You can kind of make them obey you a little bit. Now in their 20s and, and you go, you want to give them advice. And you, want, you feel like you need to jump in, but you can't at some point. It's all there. You know, you got the, the helm. But it's not because I want to be dad and I want to be in control. It's because I want them to have the best life they can. I want them to be happy. It's because I love them. In the same way, the second part of love is that God wants us to obey him because he loves us, but he also wants us to obey him because we love him. And we know that he wants the best. See, the thing is, we can't come to obedience to God unless we fully trust him. And we can't fully trust God unless we know in our heart of hearts that God loves us. That's all what God wants. That's what we are created for. Two greatest commandments. Love God, love one another. Have a love relationship with God. That's why he gave us free will. He wanted us to love them. But he even knew that that was going to come with an inherent issue of not loving him. But he said, it's worth the risk for those that will love me. Because that's what I desire. Because God is love. In Malachi, the last book of the Bible, God says, okay, enough's enough. You're bringing me your, yeah, you're going through the motions, but you're bringing me your diseased animals, your deformed animals, things you don't want anyway. What, what does that say about how you feel about me? He says, try giving it to your governor. Do you see, because when we love somebody, we want to give them our best. And God wants us to obey him because we trust him, because we know he loves us. And he wants the best for us. And he wants us to be safe. I can obey that. It comes from a position of love. And you say, well, how do we know that God loves us? How do we know God loves us? I know the Bible says it, but we read stuff and we just let it go in one ear out the other. How do we know that God loves us? Because he's never given up on us. He's never given up on me. And boy, he would be justified. Right? Not one person could blame him if he would have said, Jim is a lost cause. And he still hasn't given up on me. He hasn't given up on you. No matter how good you think you are, you're a piece of work. I mean that in both ways. And God hasn't given up on you. You know how I, you know the ultimate way I know God hasn't given up on us and what we're about to do right now. We're reminded through the bread and through the cup that Jesus Christ gave his life 
that we might have life. Gave his life that we might find our way back to God, be reconciled to a pure and holy God, one that we have turned our backs on throughout history, and yet he went to the cross and died because, why? He loves us. No greater love than this, than one would give his life for his friends. Jesus gave his life. I try to obey God best I can. Sometimes I do better than others. But I know one thing. The reason I try, and I keep trying, is because I know beyond of a shadow of doubt, through the, through the broken body, through the shed blood, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves me. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray as we come to your table, Lord, that you would speak to us through these elements, through the bread and through the cup, about your great love for us. Lord, your word says that you loved us so much that you gave your only son, that all those who believe in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. I don't know of a greater act of love. So Lord, help us. Help, may your Holy Spirit make that real to us so that we would love you with all our heart, mind, and soul, that we would trust you with all our heart, mind, and soul, that we would obey you to the best of our ability with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our soul. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.